athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. This is Box to Row, and I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show for you. You know, I think we have good shows each time we come on. At least we we think so, but we want to give you a good show. And I think on today's show, we've got uh, a, a really good show, I think, because important conversations are being had, right? And that has happened really the last ever since George Floyd. We've been having some important conversations some things are beginning to change. Things are, 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 we're making progress. Nowhere near where we need to be, but we're making progress. And I think, again, for me, the next topic of conversation has to be about reparations. That aside, on today's program, as a matter of fact, on last week, it's interesting, I got a press release from the sports information director or the assistant athletic director. For communications at North Carolina Central, Kyle Serber. And in that press release, it stated that Kentucky head coach John Calipari had endowed a John McClendon Minority Leadership Institute scholarship at North Carolina Central. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Reached out to the University of Kentucky. Uh, one thing led to another Coach Cal actually requested that SIAC Commissioner Greg Moore be a part of the conversation. He was, and so last Thursday had a Zoom call with both John Calipari and Greg Moore, the commissioner of the SIAC. Going to replay that interview today here on the program. And a programming note here on HR Voices Series XM Channel 141. Beginning on September the 19th, Box to Row will air Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time. Beginning September 19th, Box to Row going to air Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern time. That's 9 a.m. Central time and 7 a.m. Pacific time here on HUR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141. Also, a little bit later on in the program, had a chance to catch up with Brandy. Had a chance to catch up with the one and only Brandy on a Zoom call a couple of weeks ago. And you're going to hear that interview on today's program. As mentioned, caught up with Kentucky head men's basketball coach John Calipari and SIAC Commissioner Greg Moore. Thank you for having us. 
Hey, thank you, Donald. Long time no see, my friend. It has been. It's been a while, Commissioner Moore. As a matter of fact, I think the last time I saw you was either at one of the SIAC media days uh, or uh, maybe at the SIAC tournament some years and years and years ago. But let's let's talk about, let's start here with the McClendon Minority Leadership Initiative. Um, and it's interesting, uh, Coach Cal, because I got an email from North Carolina Central uh, stated that you endowed the scholarship for North Carolina Central. I want to also talk about how Commissioner Moore got you involved, but why was that important for you to endow that scholarship to NCC? Well, it was important for we coaches um, because there's over 60, 70 coaches now, including football coaches, that are involved in this initiative. Um, and we, Greg Moore, Greg, how many times have we talked on this? At least a few dozen times, Coach. And, and Greg was one of my first calls to say, Greg, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Tell me what it sounds like, what it looks like, and what do you think the impact could be? Um, we went back and forth. Greg then, and, and again, we've stayed connected because Greg is about solutions. I'm about solutions. And we connected because he came up and said, how about solutions for the SIAC? How about we feed the pipeline and we help you do what you're doing? How about we include 25 of our HBCUs? How do we do this together? Which is the big picture of this. So NCCU, North Carolina Central, they, their gym's named after John McClendon. This is, this is housed, this initiative, in the John McClendon Fund. Now, many listeners here may know about John McClendon. If you don't, do me a favor and Google Coach John McClendon. When you read about John McClendon as a pioneer African-American coach <laughs> who was the first to coach at a predominantly white school, was the first African-American to coach professional basketball, won two national titles at T Tennessee State. You read about, they played Duke in a secret game. Correct. I mean, he was the coach. Fast break basketball was developed by John McClendon. How about this one? You know, the fourth corner offense, the North Carolina, Phil Ford, you remember that? Wait a minute. That was John McClendon's offense before it was Dean Smith's offense. So to be able, and he was an administrator, well-respected. Larry Brown, who played for him on the Olympic team, said he was the hardest coach I've ever played for. He said, and he never raised his voice. <laughs> what? what did you just say? He said he never raised his voice and was the hard. I said, what made it so tough? He said, you ran and ran and ran and pressed and ran. He said, it was the toughest I've ever. So I say all that. This initiative is for future minority <clears throat> leaders and decision makers. How do we get a pipeline going? How do we, we know we have no diversity problem on the fields. But we have it in administration. And so to get coaches together, both black and white, to say we are going to be the point of funding. We will send money to the McClendon Fund. We will get positions on each of our campuses. 
Kentucky's going to have five. We had to have the first HBCU involved, and why not where the gym was named after John McClendon? My hope is all 25 HBCUs are involved in this. We have tons of candidates that apply for these positions from the HBCUs that look at it and say, I wouldn't have a chance. I have no access and opportunity. I don't have the connections. They're not going to hire someone like me. This is for men and women, women too, that look at this and say, I haven't had a chance to show who I am, what I am. I just need an opportunity. And then they go take advantage of their chance. They go work so hard that they show who they are um, and, and the access and opportunity is what this is all about. And Greg, you may want to chime in because like I said, every step of the way, Greg and I had a conversation. And let me just say this, Greg knows he needs solutions and he's looking left and right. We even did a business call together, Greg. How was that call? That call was, was I had more fun on that call than ever. But Greg, go ahead. You can you can chime in on this. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Well, well, Donald, you see why Coach uh, recruits so many five star recruits, right? I, I mean, do. He's, he, uh, he's taking so he's taking I mean, over the show, but I'm okay with that. You know? I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to I'm ready to lace him up for him, man. As a former uh, old beat up Division three ball player, I'm ready to I'm ready to run some wind sprints for him. No, but yeah. but uh, coaches. Uh, passion is infectious and, and I like to remind people that this, you know he's not new to this discussion uh you know he uh he uh, he's at he's actually helped put money in our schools by by before he pre-George Floyd you know letting our schools play against his uh his uh, Kentucky team at Rupp Arena and literally putting money into the coffers of our athletic departments just most recently Kentucky State was able to play uh, play at uh, Rupp Arena earlier this year. Morehouse, uh, Morehouse too, Greg. Morehouse has played there, and and coach, uh, you, know, I, you know, coach has been involved in these discussions going back to 2010-11. I believe he appeared at uh, Ebenezer uh, Baptist Church here in Atlanta in connection with the discussion on this topic. So he, this, this is not something that uh, yeah. you know he's he's new to. Um, very passionate, very sincere, and uh, that's one of the things that attracted me to him. Um, uh, to Coach's point, we've been having some uh, discussions in the marketplace. Uh, we've had recently had a call. I, 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 I'm not liberty to discuss the, the company, but phenomenal call. And, you know, Coach brought enormous energy and, and passion and sincerity and authenticity to the discussion. So um, it's been really a, a great honor you know, working with him to try to move this dialogue forward. And, and Donald, you know this, um, you know, historically black colleges have for years provided the super majority of black professional sports administrators almost across every vertical. I think, like for example, in Division Two, I think uh, the last time I checked it, a couple years ago, you had about 160 football programs, Donald. I think 38 of the black head football coaches were African-American, like 33 of them were at HBCUs. So if you were to remove HBCUs from that equation, I think you would have like six out of 160. That number, right, relative to the fact that approaching 60% of the student athletes are African-American, 
it's it's just a it's just a terrible you know ratio of, of talent to to coaches and uh, and when you look at again across all the different verticals basketball coaches football coaches commissioners athletic directors you see these ratios that are way out of whack and uh, and, and 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 sadly enough uh, Richard uh, Lapchick who runs uh, you know sports think tank out of Central Florida. You know, he gives grades to every organization in terms of their diversity inclusion record. You know, NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, NFL, NBA. He's consistently given the lowest grades to college sports. So, you know, this is clearly, you know, pre-George Floyd, post-George Floyd. This is clearly an issue that screams out for attention. And the biggest challenge I think historically black colleges have had is getting the kind of engagement from the folks that can kind of move the folk forward, conversation forward with a great deal of velocity. Uh, it's been it's been a, it's been a struggle. So to get someone of uh, Coach Calipari's stature, Hall of Fame basketball coach, um, to join this conversation and raise visibility, people like Michelle Roberts at the NBA Players Association through our partnership to try to get more uh, former players. Um, coaching opportunities, first-time coaching opportunities. You know, it's been really a, uh, you know, a labor of love for me. So that's part one of the conversation with Kentucky head men's basketball coach John Calipari and SIAC commissioner Greg Moore. Part two of the conversation continues on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're back here on the program. Let's pick up the conversation with Kentucky Headman's basketball coach John Calipari and SIAC commissioner Greg Moore. Fascinating conversation. That the voice of the commissioner of the SIAC, Gregory Moore, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, along with Kentucky <clears throat> hit men's basketball coach John Calipari or Coach Cal. And, you know, the thing about it, Coach Cal, is an interesting point that Commissioner Moore brings up because you're one that, you're one that walks the walk. Like, to the point, even before George Floyd, you were doing – you're too tough. Uh, coaches are black coaches. So can you sort of speak to that as one that um, really is one who is walking the walk? Well, first of all, when you say that, Donnell, we also have a weight strength coach. We also have a trainer. We also have video. Uh, 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 we have secretaries. We have personal assistants. We do have assistant coaches. But I probably oversee 15 positions. The question, first of all, is how does your own house look? Right. And I know what my house has looked like for 20 years. That's right. Um, so it starts in your own house. But let me say this. I've been this way for this long because, in, and my wife and I know this, and I said this over and over, the only reason I've had any success, the only reason, Donnell, you know me, the only reason is because African-American families have entrusted me with their sons. 
That's it. You know, I'm not sitting here or you're not talking to me. And if I think that it's about me and what I've been able to do, then I got this backwards. So this initiative came from, and, and I'll be honest with you, it started like we, Greg, we were just going to do this on Kentucky's campus. Sure. I was going to invest the money and we were going to have eight of these positions where with four next year we've now shifted to having five because we do it right all of a sudden we looked and said this could be scalable where could we house it the John McClendon Fund which is in NACTA which is in the Athletic Directors Association and John McClendon Fund has been uh, in existence for a while this initiative will be housed under it in a different way. But, you know, I, I get it. I see it. I know it. And now the question is, aren't we all tired of talk? Yeah. Uh, how about people putting out position papers? Greg and I laugh. I mean, we literally, we start like we send them back and forth. This Greg's is about solutions. Basketball coaches, most coaches, I see the problem. I'm looking at it. How do we try to create something that begins to solve the problem? In this, I don't know if it's an answer. I think it's going to go beyond athletics and become about business and future leaders who want to also own businesses. How about want to get into politics? They're going to learn about leadership and decision making. That's what we're trying to develop. But it's through real work experience. All right, so we look at this and we're saying, all right, it may not be the answer, but right now it's a step and it's a solution <clears throat> because I think everybody, we're all like, okay, enough talk. What are you going to do? We coaches now, and I'm talking some of the biggest football coaches, Herm Edwards, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lovey Smith, Jimbo Fisher, they're all in this. Like they're in this. And so now the top basketball coaches, I could go right down the list. What we have to do is get outside in money, matching funds for some of the smaller schools that want to be in this. How do we get division two and three schools in this? Do those schools say, well, we don't have the money, but we'll house them and feed them and you help us with stipends. Okay, maybe that's the solution. Right now we're going to have well, it's about 70 coaches involved in it right now. And it's about almost 60 schools. My hope is that's double and triple as we go forward. Coaches have committed to multiple years because this is not optics. We're all trying to do something to make ourselves feel better. No, this is about a program. Where is it in 10 years and what's it look like? What's the data say? Yeah, your thoughts, uh, Commissioner Moore? No, he's, he's exactly right. And, uh, you know, to Coach's point, you know, you, you, one of my frustrations as, as, as a commissioner of approaching 11 years, you know, and this is not a popular thing to say, but, uh, you know, I think inclusion uh, has been a, a topic to which uh, a significant amount of lip service has been paid, but not enough action. And... Um, and, and, and Donald, you know, I've always submitted to folks that, you know, people really, they really don't understand what inclusion is. I think, I think the problem 
with, with most inclusion efforts is people come to the inclusion discussion with an assumption <clears throat> that uh, inclusion is kind of, it, it means lowering standards to, it, to, to bring people of different backgrounds into different positions. That's actually not what it is. Uh, inclusion in my, in my view is uh, uh, casting as broad a possible net and not being very narrow-minded with respect to, or lazy for that matter, <clears throat> with respect to the, what you, what, how you define what qualifications means. And I, I give examples in the sports world of two examples of folks who, two, two examples of organizations that practice inclusion. Uh, the Boston Celtics with Red Auerbach and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Celtics were the first to, you know, to draft a, you know, an African-American player, Chuck Cooper. Uh, they were the first to have five black players on the court during the, in, in the early 60s. First organization to hire an African-American coach, Bill Russell. Uh, and oh, by the way, they've also, you know, won 16, 17 championships. I don't think Coach Arbuck was doing this to, to, be, to be Father Flanagan. He was, I mean, Sam Jones from HBCU. Um, he's, his idea was, I'm going to try to find talent anywhere and everywhere I can, I can find it. And I'm not going to bring to that search any preconceived notions to what qualifications means. Same with the Steelers. Uh, they were the first team to hire uh, a black um, head scout, Bill Nunn Sr. from the Pittsburgh Courier. He's put together with all American teams. Uh, the first, one of the first to bring in, you know, African-American quarterbacks. Um, the Rooney rule, rule is a byproduct of, of the, uh, the, the Rooney family. Oh, and by the way, they've won seven Super Bowls. So, you know, my sense is that a lot of folks don't understand. Oh, and by the way, during the 70s, those steel curtain teams, you know this, Donald, you know, you know loaded with HBCU alumni. Yeah. L.C. So, Greenwood and others, sure. Correct. So, so their idea was like, hey, listen, we're not going to have this narrow-minded um, sense of what qualification is. And, I, and I'll just make one final point on that, on that particular point. To me, the, the metaphor would be, Say you're looking for, a, you're trying to hire, uh, fill a position of NFL tight end, right? That's the position you're trying to fill. And you put down the qualifications. Must have played in the Power 5 school or 6'5", uh, you know, different kind of, you know, uh, 80 receptions, averaging 80 receptions, this X number of touchdowns, Y number of yards. To me, um, Inclusion is saying, you know what, there's a guy who plays basketball at Kent State. Uh, who, oh, who's, uh, who's the tight end, Donald, from uh, the, the Chargers, who didn't uh, play any high? Antonio Gates. Gates yeah, you know, yeah. <clears throat> he's never played football. But you know what, this guy has all the skill sets to be successful as a football player. So he may not have played, he doesn't, he doesn't check all the boxes that you put in the, in the, in the job um, uh, posting, but guess what? He has all the skill sets that translate into success. Well, Antonio Gates is about to go to the Hall of Fame, even though he never played in football in college. To me, that's, that's what really inclusion means. It means it's broadening your sensibility and your, and your perspective with respect to the being thoughtful about the actual skill sets and qualifications that it takes 
to be successful in not looking at evaluating people through a very narrow prism. That's inclusion to me, and a lot of folks don't embrace that. Gregory Moore is the commissioner of the SIC. John Calipari is the head men's basketball coach at Kentucky. They both join us here on the program. A couple of more thoughts. I want to ask a couple of individual questions. You know, Coach Cal, uh, for you, one of the things I don't think a lot of people know, which is probably to say that I didn't know this, you played at, you were here in our state of North Carolina. You played at UNC Wilmington, finished your career at Clarion, which are two smaller schools. You started, uh, well, as a head coach at Massachusetts and, of course, went on, and now you're at um, Kentucky. What does that mean to you to have started, um, you know, at the smaller universities and then be able, like, like our HBCUs, and then be able to get to the point you are now? All right, I got to do one thing. I got to go back with what Greg was talking about. Okay. I believe these future leaders – are going to be coming to campuses and people are going to be blown away by what they add, not what we're just <clears throat> helping them with. They're going to be blown away by, wow, including females. We have seven mayors of national cities, big cities that are African-American women. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see leadership and decision-making and all the stuff they're adding. The next thing I'll tell you, this is a bridge, but it's a bridge that they can stand on both sides now. They can stand on one side and they can stand on the other. It's not just one side. And Greg, I got to bring up Tommy Amaker because when we did this, my second call after Greg was Tommy to say, you know what, we're going to try to scale this. Will you help me? Will you be my partner in this? Tommy Amaker has been unbelievable. So now, basically, it's not you're looking at me like this is solely me. It isn't. It's Tommy and I organizing 70 coaches. And when it gets up and running, Tommy and I become one of the 70. And now it's, it's about each campus doing this. When you ask about me, um, as a player, Donnell, I was small, but I was slow. So when I say that stuff to you um, – you ask, well, how did you get involved in coaching? I there, Here I was from Coriopolis, Pennsylvania, Moon Township High School, a Jewish guy from New York took a liking to me at a basketball camp when I played and had me come back as a counselor, and he lit a fire in me. John Calipari, Greg Moore will pick up the conversation right there after this small pause for the cause. We're back here on the program. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. You can also follow us on Instagram at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also, you can follow me personally on Twitter at dware one at dware one or on my Instagram account at where Donald before we get to our third and final segment with Kentucky head men's basketball coach, John Calipari and SIAC commissioner, Greg Moore. Great conversation, by the way. Um, I want to make note a couple of things. As a matter of fact, on August the 20th of 2005 at 5.05 p.m. Eastern, 
from the press box to press row came on the air. From the press box to press row came on the air. And so we're going to be celebrating 15 years on the air on Thursday, August the 20th at 5.05 p.m. Eastern time. Now, what is that going to look like? Five years ago, we had a, when we celebrated 10 years, had a great celebration, had a lot of people come out. We were over at St. Augustine's University in Raleigh. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, on the line, we did a live show, um, Sirius XM Channel 141, HR Voices carried the program. We had Stephen A. Smith to call in. Great conversation with him. Great conversation with a number uh, of different people in person. So what is that going to look like in 2020? Well, it's going to be a virtual celebration for the most part. So we'll be at a location, which we're going to mention later on. We can't have a lot of people at said location. But what we are going to do is we're going to have a virtual celebration. We've invited a bunch of guests. Some of those guests have been guests on the program here in years past. A lot of the guests you'll know we won't reveal those guests today. However, we will in the next week or two reveal those guests It's going to be a great time, a virtual celebration. Very much looking forward to it. We'll have a few people that will be at the location that we will be at. We'll invite just a handful of people. We want to make sure we're social distancing. We want to make sure we're wearing our mask. We're being as safe as possible in this COVID-19 pandemic. But I'm going to tell you what, very much looking forward to the celebration again, Thursday, August the 20th. Mark your calendars, Thursday, August the 20th. Virtually, we're going to give out all the information in the next week or two, and um, we're going to tell you how you can join and watch the virtual celebration with some of your favorite guests that have been on Box to Row over the years. Now, let's get back to the third and final segment of our conversation, again, with Kentucky head men's basketball coach John Calipari and SIAC commissioner, Greg Moore, Coach Cal, was right in the middle of talking about how he really got his career started and really more so as a player. And so here I am. I only wanted to be a high school coach and teacher. You know why? That's who I looked up to, the high school coaches and teachers. That's all I wanted to do. And this guy got me believing, wait a minute, you can do more than that. Went to college and – All of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? I was at the camp with really talented coaches. Maybe I can do this. I'm saying we're going to try to light a fire under anybody that says, I've never had a chance. I don't believe all that stuff. You, You have people around you saying you can do this. My mother's comment to me, Donnell, was this. Dream beyond these surroundings. You are not responsible for these surroundings. It's where you were born. You dream beyond this. That's the greatest gift my mother gave us, my sisters and I. My sisters and I are the first college graduates in our family. That's it. So their goal was to make our lives better than their lives. I mean, this probably resonates with most of the listeners out there. And we just want people to apply. You go to minorityleaders.org, minorityleaders.org. 
www.ucla.org. If you are a candidate, you have a college degree, you want to get into this, you may have work experience, apply. The jobs aren't even posted yet. And you ready for this? The jobs aren't posted yet. And we already have 150 candidates. We're probably going to have around 70 to 75 positions. If you are a coach and you're interested, minorityleaders.org. If you're a businessman and you want to invest in diversity, minorityleaders.org. Um, Greg and I, he's, and again, if you want to get in touch with Greg Moore about some of the proposals he has, you should do it because he has great things and plans to build and use this moment. And, and folks, it is a moment. People are telling me, Don, now, and Greg knows this, wait till next year. We got corona, the athletics. We can't wait. Winds change. We have momentum right now to make a difference. We have to go now. I'm not looking at, well, whether there's a vaccine. Not, no, no. We need this thing now. What about this? They have to work remotely. We're all having to learn to work remotely. Then they could go to campus the next year or in six months. So I'm, you could tell I'm enthused. Tommy Amaker's enthused. The coaches are enthused. Um, I'm so happy for North Carolina Central and Lavelle Moton. He's a great coach and a good man. Um, but Greg knows I've had five other calls from HBCU coaches. Will Jones is calling me right now. My phone just rang. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Joyner's calling me. We want in. So this, I believe, in four to five years, this is going to mushroom. My hope is in 10 years, athletic departments, you ready? Look different. They look different. Their leadership looks different, which will lead to improving the numbers that Greg talked about, including how about this? How about we get five times the number of minority ADs? And that includes women leading these campuses. Mm -hmm. And so we can do this, but there's got to be a pipeline. Now, Greg's going to come back and say, we need the pipeline to be fed to feed the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, am I right? It's right. Is that what you're going to say, Commissioner? <laughs> well, he just took the words out of my mouth, so yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's great. And, and, you know, for you, Commissioner, you know, speak to how really – you know, the SIAC has really grown under your leadership. Uh, and then also, I know you have, uh, along with the other HBCUs, the NBA deal where, where uh, HBCU players can come uh, have NBA scouts come out and, and sort of evaluate. Yeah, well, you know, I I'm approaching, uh, you know, 12 years here. And uh, when I started, you know, I had less gray hair and more hair. You know, things have gotten, uh, we have grown. I mean, in, in, in approaching 12 years, we've almost tripled our revenue. Uh, we've eliminated all of our debt from our balance sheet. We've had uh, we've increased our sponsorship by uh, approaching 500 percent. Uh, we've added uh, you know um, uh, Savannah State, obviously. We've added uh, Central State. Uh, Allen University is coming uh, into the uh, the league. Everett Waters has announced an intention to to join our league, uh, and uh, you know we've added Spring Hill College uh, in in Mobile. So we've grown while. Other leagues have, uh, you know, across the country uh, have, have, have experienced some, some, some level of contraction. Uh, and, but uh, what, I, what I'm most proud of is, is the things that we've done around inclusion, partnerships with the NFL regarding minority officials, becoming the first league, black, white, or polka dot, 
to give women an opportunity to officiate football games. And working, going on year four, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, Michelle Roberts at the MBPA Players Union to get former players some opportunities. You know, one of the things that the, I think the union has done a great job at is uh, creating coaching academies for former players who want to get into uh, coaching their top 100 camp. I know uh, Coach Cal is aware of that camp. And uh, a lot of those, I mean, those camps are, are, are by and large run by former players and current players who are looking to make that transition. The challenge with a lot of these former players, once they completed all of the professional development uh, modules, there was nowhere to go. There's no one who would hire them. So again, I'm, I'm very proud of the record that we have in giving guys like Daryl Walker, mm-hmm. who had 21 interviews before Clark Atlanta gave him an opportunity. Yeah. He won two SIT championships at Clark. He's moved on to the Sun Belt, you know, multi-million dollar deal there. I think they would have, I think they won the Sun Belt last year. Kenny Anderson, you know, giving him a first time opportunity at Fisk University. Uh, obviously Lindsey Hunter, because this partnership with the MBPA I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we, we've had a great partner in the SWAC. Um, they've been phenomenal partners. So, you know, they've given opportunities to Mo Williams recently at Alabama State and obviously Lindsey Hunter at Valley. So, you know, that's worked beautifully. And, and my sense is that this McClendon initiative could, could fit squarely within that broader mosaic of inclusion initiatives to Coach Cal's point that hopefully in the next five, ten years, can change the face of college athletics in, in, in an important way. I know both of your times are valuable, uh, and I'll get, we'll get out of here on this. Coach Cal, any last words? <clears throat> no, I'm just, you know, I'm just so happy that this thing has caught legs and it's going viral because um, my hope is in 10 years for all of us coaches involved, for Tommy and I, people look back 10 years from now and say, wow, that was really cool. And you know what else? That was a great moment in time for us coaches to say, we're gonna do something. And that we look at this, and for me personally, the greatest accomplishment, forget about national titles, forget about this, it was to be able to come together with Tommy Amaker and Greg Moore and say, let's put something together that's gonna make a difference. And then, now we got a lot of work to do, but if we do this right, it's going to work and make a difference. And we all can toast each other and say, we did it for the right reasons. We did it because we're being authentic. We did it because we know we need to do more. And I'll leave this. And Greg, you're, my, only, my only reservation that I've had, walking the boardwalk after talking with Greg, I'm really excited. I was away from campus at the time. And then I, this thought went in my mind. Why not 10 years ago? Why didn't you do this 10 years ago? Didn't you have the courage to do it 10 years ago? Did you not, were you tone deaf? Did you not see this was an issue 10 years ago? And Greg and I have talked about it. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, you know, come on, man. You know, you're, you're winding it down now and you feel safe. You know, I mean, so we are doing it. Mm-hmm. I just wish we'd have done it earlier. Wow, that's, that's powerful. Commissioner Moore? No, I have nothing to add to that except that, uh, Coach is, uh, he may be selling himself a little short in this regard. You know, I've been a longtime observer of, of Coach, and, and, and what most impressed me is not the national championship, Final Fours, and all the success he's had on the court, 
it's really been about what players and former players and more importantly, their families and their mothers say about him. You know, and you know, Donald, you can't fool a black mom. You just can't fool them. They got, they got a sixth sense. They got a mother's sense. And they know whether you're full of you know what or you're being, you honestly and authentically care about their children. And I've always been impressed with respect to the relationship that Coach Cal's had with African-American families uh, from the recruitment process to, to, to draft night. And uh, I think that speaks to, you know, his, his, his uh, sincerity and authentic, authenticity with respect to these, these issues. Kentucky head men's basketball coach John Calipari and SIAC commissioner Gregory Moore here on the program. You missed any of that interview. You can check it out on Box to Row on YouTube. Up next here on Box to Row on HR Voices, Sirius XM Channel 141, a conversation with the one and only Brandy. Welcome back to Box to Row here on HR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141. As mentioned, the one and only Brandy had a chance to catch up with her on a Zoom interview a couple of weeks ago and had a pretty good conversation. Take a listen. Thank you very much. Thank you for that introduction. Absolutely. It's great to have you. Um, so I had a chance to hear the single. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you and Chance the Rapper, Baby Mama. Yes. It was bumping. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm grooving it. It's got a good beat to it. You know, talk about that and, and sort of how that came about. Well, I, I absolutely love the beat. It was produced by uh, Hit Boy. And, you know, teaming up with Chance was, was definitely um, a, a blessing. Uh, Chance is a, is, a, is a great artist that I, that I absolutely love. And I wanted to do a song that... Um, that spoke to how positive motherhood is and you know how um baby mama is not so much a a bad thing you know what i mean like there's such a negative connotation that goes with that word i wanted to you know do something that changed this the the stigma of that and and just also just to represent my love and my unconditional love for my daughter just i just absolutely love being an example for her and just a shout out to all the moms who are holding it down for their families like this is a this is a great role to be in so i'm just happy to be back doing music and yes. i just felt like that was a great way to 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 reintroduce myself right you now you still got the voice like when i heard the song and, and it was i think you you know because to to like to your point to come in with the single with Chance the Rapper who's done his thing no question over the last couple of years you know I think was big you know you still got the voice now <laughs> thank you you know um, I mean the voice has it, it but talk a little bit about maybe the time in between your last album was 2012 and mm-hmm. just talk about the time in between um, well, the time in between, I mean, I, I had a lot of time to, to grow, to evolve, you know, to raise my daughter, to also find the, the right home, the right foundation for my music. Um, I had a chance to do a lot of great roles, uh, Broadway, you know, so I was able to just really, um, gather myself and get myself to the right creative place to release music again. And I'm just so glad that I was able to find my passion and, and rediscover things about my voice and rediscover things about my music that, um, 
that wasn't there before. And, and I'm just really excited about the new project, the new album. It just, it just shows a lot of growth and a lot of um, just, um, I don't know, just my love for music. Yeah, no, a great love for music. Let, let me switch gears a little bit. George Floyd, I want to get your thoughts. You know, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that this movement is, is, I don't think it's dying down, but we're not, you know, it's not like it was. But I want to get, and it, it's been, you know, some months, not some months, but, you know, a while since the death of George Floyd. Your thoughts, you know, when you saw the video and the whole movement behind George Floyd. I mean, my... I really couldn't put into words just how that, just the, the, to see that for everyone to see that, um, it it is, I'm, I'm completely speechless. I haven't found the words to describe what, um, what I felt watching it. It's just, I felt so, um, like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that was happening. I can say that, um, it definitely changed the world. And I feel like we are moving in a, in a, in a way now that um, we're really coming together to make positive change. I know that he completely changed the world. That situation just completely changed all of us. I, I feel for the better. Um, and my heart and prayer still, you know, I, I still pray for his family every day. I mean, that's just, like, I, I still can't find the, the words to just describe. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, it's it's you watch the video and it's like, what? I mean, what is it, it was it, I'm, I'm with you. It's really unbelievable. Yes. Uh, yeah. The one and only Brandy joining us here on Botch to Row. So does it seem like it's been almost 26 years since your first album came out? <laughs> Oh my God, the transitions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, uh, my apologies. Uh, does it seem like it? Uh, sometimes it seems like it, and then sometimes it, it doesn't. Okay. You know, um, I feel like I've been here for a while, but then I also feel, I feel refreshed. I feel like um, there's a newfound um, passion that I have that I'm excited about, you know, amongst everything else that's going on in, in this, in this crazy world right now. But yeah, so it's yeah. both. Yeah, no, you've, you've, you've been doing it a while. So like, I think one of, one of my favorite songs, it was really your first single, I Want to Be Down. Um, you like that one. What'd you say? You like that one, that's one of your favorite. I love that one. That's one of my favorite, particularly the remix. So can you speak to the remix because the single came out, it was hot, then the remix came out and really, you know, it merged sort of, and, and it, that was the 90s, or, you know, hip hop was really on the rise, it's really when hip hop became hip hop, I think. Um, but talk about that and having, you know, Queen Latifah and Yo-Yo and MC Light on that, on that remix. I, I was so excited to work with them. You know, I was just, you know, I, I, I was just coming out at 15 to just have, you know, my song on the radio and, and for it to be, you know, such a, um, you know, a hit at that time. And then to uh, include them in, in, on the remix, I didn't really know what was going on. I just, I just knew, I knew them from television. And I was so excited to work with them. Um, but I feel like that was one of the times where hip hop and R&B merged. Yep. That was one of the first records that, kind of helped that uh, happen. 
And uh, to be a part of that kind of history is just, it's mind blowing for me. You know, I look back on it and go, wow, you know, that, that was a really beautiful moment in time. And I still know them to this day. And we got a chance to perform that uh, on uh, the BT Hip Hop Awards yeah. together. And, you know, I worked with Queen Latifah on Star. So it's, um, it's just great for us to, you know, to share in that, in that time. Yeah, to your point, I mean, you were 15, you know, when when you start in terms of music. I I mean, I may take you back a little further than that, but but is this, is music something you always wanted to do? Absolutely. Music is who I am. Music has been um, such a huge part of my life ever since I could walk and talk. You know, music was like, was a part of my family, just how I how I got by, you know, in life in general. Um, so yeah, music has, has always been my first love. But yeah. now you, you're a pretty good actor too, right? You know, yeah. I, I was really, I forgotten, you know what I've forgotten about Thea? I had forgotten about Thea. <laughs> yeah, Thea, Thea was uh, my first, my first acting, my first acting moment for sure. Yeah. So and what do you uh, remember most about, about Thea? Uh, I just remember feeling like I'm not really good at the acting thing. I can't wait to get to my family. <laughs> really? And then, yes, I, I, I didn't feel like it was a natural fit for me, but you know, everybody else kind of felt like it, it was, but I, I just didn't feel it. But I, I was really, I felt like Thea was a stepping stone for me to just get my face out there for my music. And then when my music hit, then I got the offer to do Moesha. That's when I felt like, okay, acting is something that I, I really like and <laughs> I really want to, you know, do this, you know. So Moesha was when I felt it. Yeah. What about Moesha? I mean, was uh, what is it, five or six seasons that it was on? Yeah. I used to watch it. Yes. Uh, very positive. Very good show. Speak to, it was a UPN, I believe is what it was on. Speak UPN, to that. absolutely. Um, yeah. Moesha, it just, it helped me to, um, I just liked Moesha. I liked the way she was written. It just, it, it just felt like um, I just, I could relate. And I was surrounded by such an amazing cast. And, you know, I had some really great, great, great teachers and, and examples. And, you know, I worked with Kim Fields on, on the acting. She coached me through, you know, just trying to find Moesha's voice. And, and I found it and, it, and it, it connected. And, you know, the rest was, was history. And it was, it was something that I will never forget. And it, it helped me carry that confidence into other roles that I was able to play. I remember the Cinderella uh, that came on, um, was ABC TV and yeah, um, come on, you know what's going on. I, I know, I know. Look, I love you know. that. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Brandy joins us here on the program. B Seven is the new album. Yes. It is due out on July the thirty first. Yes, that's right. What can we expect? We we talked about the single "Baby Mama" with Chance the Rapper. What else can we expect on this album? My my total heart. Um, it's it's an album that I feel is something you can put in in or press play and, and listen to from top to bottom. It's, you can escape, it's, it's rooted in R&B, it's very vibey, um, lots of ballads, lots of mids. Um, it just, it's just a variety of, of R&B music that I think um, that everyone will enjoy. Who are some of the other artists maybe that you worked with on this project? Uh, Chance is one of the ones I worked with, uh, Daniel Caesar and my daughter is also featured on this album. It, and I'm really excited for people to hear her voice and, and just how she sounds. I mean, she's just um, an, an amazing young artist, and I'm really happy to to present her on this on this album. So, yes, and then the rest is just the rest is just me. 
<laughs> Does she have mama's voice? She has her own voice, but she definitely, she definitely can, can sing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Last couple of thoughts. Um, uh, this, this, the, one of the, your really big singles, which was the duet, I Want to Be Down with Monica. What, what do you remember most about that? That was, a, that was a huge record. Yeah, The Boy is Mine with Monica. Um, I, Boy is Mine, I, yes. I'm so, um, I'm so proud of that record. That, that's the biggest um, record for the both of us. And I, I just remember when it first came about and how excited I was about it. And I was telling everybody we need to make this a duet. I think Monica would be perfect for the record. And, you know, so many was saying, you know, I don't know, you know, it should just be, you know, a, 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 just a solo song. I'm like, no, it's not, it's not going to work as, 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 as great as it would be if it was a duet. So, um, we got Monica on it and, and I was so glad that I was right. That was one of the things I could say I was right about. Yeah, you and you guys sort of came up together in the same, you know, around that same time. Yeah, we did. We did. It was just great to have her on. She just brought a different kind of a flavor. And just to hear that contrast with us vocally, it, it was just a magic. And it, it's a magic that I feel like um, not a lot of people can say they have. Last thought, Brandy. We appreciate the time. Uh, sports. Are you a, are you big into sports? Um, not not as much as I used to be. No. I'm not. I'm, I'm a huge tennis fan. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get some tennis. Hopefully we can get tennis is a naturally distant social, uh, naturally social distance sport. Maybe we'll get some in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love tennis. I love basketball too, but. That was the interview with Brandy from a couple of weeks ago. If you missed that interview, want to listen again, you can log on to box to row on our YouTube page and always remember to support those that support your box to row is presented by DW Communications. Only kind of first real love. My baby got them dreams. She can touch in a voice from above. She's a pearl in the rough. It takes a village to raise them. We don't do it all by ourselves. I know my smile can be upstaging. On a stage, I'm a